Hi, Sacred Tension fans. My name is Matt Langston, and I play in a band called Eleventy-Seven. I'm an artist, a producer, and I also host my own podcast right here on Rock Candy called Eleventy Life. We talk with the people behind your favorite songs and albums, from the writers to the producers, and everyone in between. And we're not asking your favorite artists the same old boring questions like where did your band name come from and who's your favorite Friends character. We're asking questions like why did your marriage fail? Where does love come from? Is God real? It is a show about the importance of creativity and pursuing your passions. And we don't let guests leave until it gets a little bit uncomfortable. So check it out right here on Rock Candy and your favorite podcast app. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the spiritual discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Long. Before we get started, I have just a couple of pieces of housekeeping. First, the show is only possible with your help. And so if you want to see me continue to bring interesting conversations to the world every Monday, then please go to my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. And for a dollar a month or five dollars a month, you'll get exclusive access to me as a creator. You'll hear my uh, coffee-fueled rants at one in the morning, and you will get a patrons-only podcast called The House of Heretics, in which my assistant Justin and I have early morning conversations as we're waking up, where we talk about fisting and gay sex and uh, Jesus and religion and ecumenism. I can never say that word. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, if you want that podcast and if you want to see me continue to bring interesting conversations to you every week, please go to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long and it will really, really help me out. Second, my colleague Matt Langston of Eleventy-Seven and I are starting a podcast network called Rock Candy Podcasts. We're looking for artists who want to create interesting, enjoyable, and high-quality content. Uh, We're looking for everything from comedy to religion to science to skepticism to politics to movies to just about any topic under the sun sun, as long as it is well-produced. In return for joining the network, you will get our entire Rock Candy backlog of music for use in your show. You'll get uh, free professional consultation from the studio, and uh, you will get the support of other creators who will promote each other. If you have a show or you are thinking of starting one, I can't wait to hear your idea. Please send it to me at stephenbradfordlong.com. All right. Well, with all of that out of the way, I have on the show today the author of the blog for Infernal Use Only, which is the most fucking hilarious blog name I've heard in a long time. (laughs) And he's also the host of the podcast Naked Diner. So, Jack McTurko, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, I'm glad to, man. I always like being on other people's shows. It's so nice. I don't have to do any of the editing. Oh, it's wonderful. I love it, too, because I don't have to worry about anything. I just get to, you know, have verbal diarrhea, which I'm very good at. You know, that's kind of what this whole job is for me. But it's the cleanup afterwards. It's all the editing. That's such a pain. Well, that's the thing that because our show, I I have a co-host, Andy, and I do all the audio recording and editing, and Uh he gets the one who's considerably more, oh, I'm going to ask questions and I'm going to talk and stuff because I'm worried about what's going on (laughs) in the back. Well, I understand. Uh, So you write the fantastic blog for Infernal Use Only, and it is a satanic blog on Patheos. The only Um, satanic blog on Patheos. The only satanic blog on Patheos, which is sad. (laughs) There should be more. Um, I I tried to pitch uh, getting us an entire channel, but... Oh, that would be great. Yeah, I'd love it. I think it'd be rad. Uh, But, you know, the market's just not there right now. (laughs) Maybe maybe it will be. Maybe it will be eventually you know with the uh satanism is kind of undergoing this boom in america right now so uh so we're in the middle of what some people are calling the satanic reformation 
and oh, I haven't heard that before. That's, really, really, that's, you haven't heard that? No, that's that's an amazing phrase. I I could get behind that. Yeah, me too. No, I I forget where I heard that actually, but I've actually heard that several places online, several blogs, several uh, videos, and and whatnot. But yeah, I mean, it's uh, I've heard this moment we're in as referred to as the Satanic Reformation. So before we get any further, both Jack and I are members of the Satanic Temple, but we are not spokespeople for the temple. These are our views alone, and we do not represent the temple. Anything else you need to add to that for disclaimers? Yeah, the only stuff on my blog that represents the temple is when Lucian writes a guest piece. Yeah, with Lucian, Lucian, who's the founder of, of the temple. So yeah, so you know, my audience is mostly like progressive Christian, post-Christian, because that's the world that I come out of. And then okay. and then I discovered the, uh, and then I, you know, I went through this massive deconstruction of faith, and then I discovered the Satanic Temple, and it really bothers a lot of my listeners whenever I have Satanists on the show, I think, because it just makes them super uncomfortable. They don't get it. But, you know, I feel like every few months I need to have, you know, the obligatory Satanist on the show. So, sure, sure. you know, we've had Greg Stevens on, we've had Shalice Blythe, we've had the, the ladies from Grey Faction on. So, what led you into, like, down this weird, bizarre path into Satanism? Well, I was, I was kind of on this weird path uh, a while before. Like, I was very much, I was already doing atheist podcasts back in 2011, 2012. Yeah. Uh, and then, I, in fact, I can find the episode, if I really wanted to, of when Lucian Greaves did the Pink Mass, uh, which was when they did a, a protest action against the Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah. I can find me talking about a podcast or in a podcast where I was like, these guys are cool. I think I like these guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so then it, it became this thing. I, I come from a literature background. I'm an English major. Mm, yeah. So this whole idea of this, this romantic idea of Satan that comes from, from uh, Milton and Anatole France and stuff really appeals to me as just a book nerd mm, where yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I understand where this story is coming from. And I understand how you're viewing this as like a, a way to transition away from the, the, biblical worldview and so that to me really hit home in a way that that surprised me because i was coming from you know atheist very hardcore sciencey all religion is bullshit kind of meant it can i swear on your show oh absolutely okay just checking yeah for sure <laughs> so i came from this this really hardcore sciencey religion is demonstrably false and that and the tst thing really hit me in a place where it was like i i can get behind the literary artistic value of having this this metaphor yeah used it to, to help contextualize my life that really helped not sell it but that that's what really did it for me was yeah oh yeah no that makes sense yeah yeah no it's really interesting because when i talk to a lot of people about what got them into the satanic temple uh for people who don't know that's what we're referring to when we say tst so what i often hear from people is that when they first encountered that narrative, that satanic kind of that postmodern reframing of the Satan narrative, yeah. they got it. And I really think that the people I talk to are divided into two categories. They're the ones who just fucking don't get it, who do not understand why that image clicks on such a powerful level for us. And then there are the people who do. And yeah. and it's and I and I've been in kind of this difficult place of trying to explain the appeal. Like you know, Satan as a literary figure is the image of you know rebellion and uh, enlightenment and the outsider and embracing your outsider status and for people who who are outsiders or queer or skeptics or or who have just a certain you know kind of iconoclastic personality type that resonates on a really really deep fundamental level and i remember when i first encountered it i was like this is me this is yeah. who i've been my whole life i just didn't really have a symbol that really clicked on a deep fundamental level and then there are other people who just do not get it, it you know it seems to me that the the in, in liberal christianity the the closest analog is the people who really dig you know the jesus that is whipping the money changers in the temple right yeah. like the exactly. same we're, we're rebelling against this this tyrannical yeah. system yeah yeah and and you know yeah exactly or the or the christ as this kind of meek 
quiet figure who stands up against empires, you know, spiritual empires to see kind of like a Gandhi figure. Yeah. Uh, and I get the appeal of that. Like, I understand that. That's beautiful. But I think that for me, the being someone who's queer and who w- grew up in the church, the baggage is just so intense <laughs> with the person of Christ. Yeah, exactly. You can't quite get past. No. And, and you know, I, st- I still consider myself part of kind of the, the non-theistic, progressive, post-Christian world. You know, I kind of still move through those circles. Uh, people have had fights over whether or not I'm a Christian. I just don't give a fuck anymore. Like, call me what you want to call me. I don't care. But I I have a problem. I, I personally have such a baggage with the person of Christ. I find that the symbol of Satan is, is pure in comparison. The symbol of Satan does not have that baggage for me. Yeah. Um, you know, so, okay, so I'm, I'm fascinated by this concept of non-theistic religion. And, okay. and I'm wondering if you could talk about that some. So you mentioned that you came from like a hardcore uh, atheist, all, all religion is bullshit perspective. Right. And if I understand your blog, you know, certain things that you've written uh, correctly— You've kind of tempered that view some, and you now have a view of. Well, I think I think now I understand. One of the things about the atheist community that really bothered me was that it was so fragmented. And uh, like, if if you look at what went on in the atheist community in in 2011, 2012, 2013, with yeah. you know atheism plus versus the slime pit assholes. That there was this whole, <laughs> there there was this whole fracture where there was no way to have a consistent community because they were using this this dictionary atheism that was just you know atheism is the lack of belief in God or gods and that's it and it doesn't say anything else about what you believe about anything. Yes, which is where uh, you know like humanist groups kind of started to get a foothold where. They're saying, okay, yes, we're atheists, but we also have these positive beliefs. And I think what's important about groups like uh, the Satanic Temple is you're asserting these are our positive beliefs. These are things, these are values that we hold, which just plain atheism can't do. And there's no way to actually form any sort of coherent narrative around just not believing in God. Absolutely. So, so what then is your definition of religion? Because you, you, refer to the satanic temple and to satanism as a religion yeah, so absolutely. so yeah and i do too um i 100 think it's a religion and people have been and not just a satire religion you know like the flying spaghetti monster i think that it is in fact a a legitimate new religious movement i don't think religion requires supernaturalism yeah exactly so so what is your definition of religion and how does it include tst and satanism in general well i i think when you talk talk about part of the problem with sorry dogs <laughs> bark no worries we good <laughs> chill out all right. So part of the problem with religion and and this conversation that we're having is that people tend to weaselly define things, right? Like when they talk Absolutely. about when they talk about uh, faith or belief, they're they're talking about well, okay, you have to believe this thing is absolutely true. Whereas when you're talking about like you know, I believe pick a random word, like I believe that the word consomme means this, right? Right. The, no word means that particular thing when we're talking about what a language is trying to say like when you espouse a principle right like when you say i believe in justice well there's no way to scientifically test for justice right mm-hmm. so these are ideas that we need to you either believe in it or you don't but it's a concept it's not a physical thing right right so okay so so connect that for me to to the concept of religion for you so so this is well, I think, okay sorry well, go on like, I, think, I, I think like when somebody says you know i believe in god there, there's this i you can either believe that there is this you know extra universal supernatural entity that right has ideas that are i believe that this is good and i believe that this is bad well that's not really how things function right like mm-hmm. like you could say that uh i was i was thinking about this the other day in terms of like situation situational ethics where you can say if if I took you right now and threw 
threw you to the ground and started stomping on you. We could say that would be ethically wrong. Right. But if you're on fire at the time, then <laughs> it's not such, right? So, yes. so this idea of, of right and wrong gets very fuzzy and very contextual. Okay. And I think that, uh, you know, when, when we talk about what is right and wrong, we need to keep that in mind. Yes, absolutely. And, and so do you define religion as really basically your deeply held values yeah okay yeah it's 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 a i mean i can't prove that justice is better than injustice there's no equation for that i see so so world so for you that requires like a certain measure of faith yeah well i have I, I have a faith in that, like, I believe that this is the best way to continue the, the, the human experiment. Right. I guess, lack of a better term, you know? Right. So, okay, so that makes sense. And, you know, one of my first guests on the show is a, is a progressive Christian guy named David Dark. And basically what he says is that religion are the binding stories and narratives that guide our lives. Um, sure. You know, and, and that we all have a religion more basically, you know, we all have a binding story or narrative. But I've I've also heard criticism of that, that that is too broad of a definition of religion. And I'm wondering if you've gotten that from from pe- like people in the atheist community. I have what oh, criticism. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Like what what criticisms have you gotten? gotten from from people I, in the I've heard that community. exact criticism where I've had I had okay. uh, some from from Center for Inquiry come on my blog. I, I had written a piece about the story structure and why religion can be this this why religion doesn't require supernaturalism. Yes. And we got in this huge argument uh, because he was insistent that it does require some supernatural component. And I'm just like, why? Yeah. I, it, it, the idea of, of, of I mean, if, if you want something that's akin to supernaturalism, then fine. Ideas like justice and mercy and, and like those are indefinable, inquantifiable things. Mm-hmm. But I believe that applying those ideas to life leads to the best possible situation for everyone. Right. So, okay. So so you mentioned that you wrote an article about why religion doesn't require supernaturalism. Why doesn't religion require supernaturalism? Because why should it? We're we're making (laughs) it so long. Yeah. I think that, you know, I 100% agree with you. You know, I'm I'm currently reading this book um, by Ruben Van Luich called... Children of Lucifer, and it's like this this sprawling history of modern day Satanism. And one of the things that he says is that religion is can be defined as a set of symbols that relate us to what we believe to be ultimate reality and our ultimate values. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like that that's all religion is to me. Is it is a set of values and symbols that relate me to what I believe to be my ultimate goals and right. and, and ultimate reality. As long as you contextualize that in your own way then it's fine and nobody else should give right too much like uh, what it really bothers me that there are these really hardcore christians out there who will look and say just because it has the label on of satanism on it it must be inherently bad right as opposed to and and there are liberal christians who i've met who are just like no i understand where you're coming from yeah like, okay we we can get along and we agree on policy and all this other stuff and let's work together and that's great i'm yeah. cool with that absolutely if if Jesus is your dude, my 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 buddy Wonka will often say, you know, Pope I'm a Satanist. Wonka? Yeah, Pope Wonka. Pope Wonka. Yeah, I see him around. Yeah, and and he's very much like I'm a Satanist, and I dig Jesus. Like I do. I think he's a great. Like, he <laughs> right. Understands that story from the other side, and he's just like, it's just not. It doesn't resonate with me the way this other thing does. So this is what I'm going with. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I think that's fine. I don't, and and that's the the essence of pluralism. Like I had uh, mm. Lucian Greaves on the show this week, and there was a part in the show where we were talking about documentaries because the Hail Satan documentary just came out, yes. and he he said he had just watched the Mister Rogers documentary, and he said, you know, like no, I think Mister Rogers was a genuinely good guy who was trying to do a good thing. He's not bagging on him for being a Christian preacher. Right. That's essence of pluralism, right? Right. So this is something that I have often wondered about, and it's something that I have struggled. With. I consider myself a deeply religious person. I also consider myself a deeply non-theistic <laughs> and skeptical person. And right. that is just so weird for so many people, uh, for religious and atheistic and non-religious alike, you know, for, for just about everyone. You know, I, I write about it, I talk about it, and a lot of people, some people get it, but then I feel like most people are just really confused by it. I wonder if this is is 
in part because the atheist community, who I have a lot of respect for and who I think have done really, really good stuff, have really hammered this this idea that religion means supernaturalism. And I wonder if the result of that is that it actually has kind of blocked some people from evolving their religion you right. know and, and this is no, i agree with that completely I've, I've i've talked about that before too this idea that we need to draw a line between atheism and a religionism like absolutely yeah you know i wrote an article called the false binary between atheism and religion uh, yeah. you know about just that and basically my argument in that was what blocked me for a very long time and you know i will say i'll admit that this was irrational on my part but we're irrational creatures and I needed and I needed help with this and and because there wasn't this discourse going on at the time I probably was locked in my belief in my unwarranted supernatural belief for far longer than I should have been but basically I was given the message that in order to accept a scientific and rational and reasonable view of the world I had to sacrifice my beloved religious community and symbol and I couldn't make that that sacrifice and or and then from the religious people i heard the exact opposite in order i you know i can hold on to this thing i love which is my symbol which is my community the ritual but in order to hold on to that i have to let go of the of the, of the yeah. rational exactly i think i, I... <laughs> <laughs> so this is a weird bugaboo of mine. I, I really yes. think that a lot of this stems, stems, a lot of this goes back to the initiative for science and technology education, because I think okay. that made a huge mistake when we made this push for science, technology, engineering, and math, and left out art. Like, we could have just made it steam yeah. instead of STEM, and we would have <laughs> a lot better off, right? If we had just included art education in that thing, then you'd have a whole lot fewer atheists who are just like, well, you know, all this symbolic stuff is meaningless. It's not meaningless. We're humans. This is how we exactly. function. This is like so to to just discount that entirely and try and ignore that that irrational part of ourselves because we are right we're, we're not just these thinking meat machines we yeah. we have feelings and those are going to influence our decisions and you need some way to contextualize that stuff exactly and we respond to music and we respond to lyrics and we respond to symbol and story like you know it it, and to take that out, and that has been the province of religion, and and to take that out of the human experience once we become rational atheists, and I, and you know I I know that people that a lot of prominent atheists you know they get asked this and they say well no of course not of course this isn't what we're doing of course that you know of course we but I'm like but in practice I feel like this there is this stripping of, yeah and of it's, symbol it's kind of from life. Things where like you like you kind of want to like go to somebody like Dawkins and be like, how many people you know came to a secular worldview not because they watched your videos about how eyeballs evolved it, but they read the Hitchhiker's Guide from it's, your buddy Doug, you know? Exactly. Like, yeah, and uh, I like to say that you know the the thing about story is that it it allows us to impart tacit knowledge over a distance, right? Because there's yeah there's intrinsic knowledge, which is something that you've learned to do on your own. And there's tacit knowledge, which is somebody taught you, right? Which is like uh, uh, apprenticeships and stuff like that. <clears throat> and in stories allow people to teach these moral tales of what right from wrong is in a way that you can only figure out by observing. It's not something you're going to yeah. learn by rote experimentation, yeah. you know? Yeah, you know, one of my uh, friends who's been on this show quite a few times now is a guy named Joseph Laycock, and he studies I like he's been on my show too yeah he's a he's a fun guy he's cool but in his book dangerous games which is of course you know is all about dungeons and dragons and and uh the satanic panic but kind of deeper than that it's about the nature of religion and what is religion and that kind of at its heart religion is this sort of play and and religion emerges from this need for imagined worlds and he yeah. describes he describes role-playing games and religious ritual as like these annexes to reality and he calls yeah. them he calls them paracosms these shared worlds and you enter that paracosm and you go through the ritual or you go through the game 
gameplay and you experience enchantment and that process of enchantment changes your life and then you emerge from the paracosm back into the mundane, back into the everyday with a changed reality. In a, in, a, in a reality in some way. It has altered you in some way. And that process is just so awesome and so cool and so central to human experience. I just don't want to give it up. And, you know, and so this is something that... Yeah, no, it's it, it's, yeah. it's not about giving it up. It's about not taking it literally. It, it's about, yeah, you know, what, what Joseph calls corrupted play. Yeah, and, what yeah. he, and what corrupted play is, is when, and everyone who's curious about this, please go back and listen to my show, Dangerous, called Dangerous Games. Uh, with Joseph Laycock and read his book uh, by the same title. Uh, he, it's just all very, very fascinating. And what corrupted play is when we start to break down the boundaries between r- different worlds, between real and imagined reality. And uh, like I think an example of corrupt the power of religion and corrupted play is when Anton LaVey says, you know, ritual must be kept within the ritual chamber. Oh, and, yeah, I was just thinking. And that, I think that that's great. Think that's the same thing as, uh, it's kind of like uh, the map is not the territory, right? Yes. Like the, this idea of drawing a salt circle that witches do to yes. contain the ritual. It's not about that it's salt or that you're drawing a line. It's that you're making this cognitive break between okay, this is the experimental place where we're, yes, and everything outside of this is still the real world. So, yes. And I think yeah. that there's enormous wisdom to what Anton LaVey said, which is to keep the ritual contained to the ritual chamber. But then he commits his own form of uh, corrupted play when he says, but then when something miraculous or unexpected happens and it can only be attributed attributed to magic, you have to attribute that to magic. I've said before that's <laughs> a huge post hoc agropropter hoc fallacy. Yes, and absolutely. I, I, I have to draw a line there in the sand. Me but, too. You know, but that's where the LaVey get mad at me but whatever. <laughs> the Levians are mad about everything um <laughs> they okay so what does satanist so so as a satanist um what what does your life as a satanist look like what makes your satanic life distinct from say just a rational atheist secular humanist life you know like what what in your lived what in the praxis for you uh sets you apart as a satanist i mean that's a weird question for me since i blog about it professionally right, right like right 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 it's for a bit of a weird because obviously I'm, I'm talking about this stuff uh, to a particular audience in, in a way that I, I hope that they understand, right? Uh, but in terms of, of my day-to-day life, I don't know if it really ultimately has that much of, uh, of an effect other than going out in the world with satanic tattoos and wearing black all the time and stuff. <laughs> you yes. know, causes people to look at you a little weird but i don't i don't think it necessarily like it doesn't have it's not like i'm sitting down doing my taxes going like okay what's the most satanic way to get this deduction like that's right well i, I think that that's how a lot of people live you know i think that that's how how a lot of different religious people are <laughs> i don't know if it really is i mean well but but i think people like to think that way but i don't know if it's actually true right well like, I, yeah go on I, I i don't think that there is these you know really hardcore far Right. Christians who are like, oh, I should give to the poor. Let me not take this deduction. I don't think that those people are out there. I think everybody's just trying to do the best they can most of the time. Right. So so do you have any specific rituals that you practice that are predominantly satanic? Oh, yeah, sure. I, I have a few. I mean, I, well, I, I, I moved in with my fiance, so my altar is not set up right now. But I keep a, a chessboard on my altar because that is like a thing for me where I'll mm-hmm. play against myself as just a way of cognating like okay i'm here i want to be over here Mm -hmm. i'll set that up in my head as like a okay what are the possible problems and okay this night is this particular issue and i'll kind of go through that on my own and that kind of thing and then i'll do a couple years ago i did a a big ritual for my birthday because i was born on april fool's day so (laughs) i tied that thing into the tarot it was a great time we had a ball that's cool that's cool what does your uh altar look like uh you know it's it's just a little desk and it's got all my various tst memorabilia kind of hanging around it nice. and, and nice yeah i have a little statue of baphomet with uh i also have the 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 a haitian mother mary and kali all and and buddha all here together on my on my altar as yeah. symbols i like yep 
Yeah, and it's just this kind of little place that's like, okay, this is just my little play place, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's just like a vision board. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, how do you respond when people say that TST is is a satire religion comparable to the flying spaghetti monster? What What's your response to that? I mean, I don't necessarily, I think that a lot of religions start out that way. Yeah. I think so too. Uh, one of my favorites from the '60s is Discordianism. Yeah, yeah, it, where you know it is clearly parody, and it's intended to poke fun at all this weird supernaturalism and say, "Well, you know, okay, we're going to go with Chaos Goddess and see what happens," and use using that as a justification for. But it it almost it's it's kind of you know you decide the idea that you want to do and you work retroactively to figure out how you can fit that into it. Anorissian form of logic, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, and but to say that that doesn't have an impact just because it's i mean ultimately all religions are fake right like if we're yes. getting back to truth and 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 what is you know scientifically demonstrable all religions are fake yeah but to say that just because they're fake they don't have an effect on the real world is absurd because clearly right. they right right okay so basically what you're doing is you're breaking down the boundary between quote unquote real and then quote unquote satire religion and that there's i guess that it's much more like when you really get down to it it's much more complicated than that well yeah because the term real religion i mean what does that what does that really mean what mm-hmm. like hey I, I, I believe in this deity well i if i already accept that all deities are fake then just because i have one doesn't necessarily it, it's almost like uh compared stuff to fandom before and tried to to illustrate the difference between what is just a fandom and of a character and yeah. what is and that's where the line gets really blurry for me yeah right? you know of- yeah what, what i often hear when people ask me that is a real religion is just something that's old you yeah, know like to an extent. Yeah. like that and i don't think that that that's what i hear them say but i don't think that that's true i mean like if we can no matter how bullshit of a religion scientology is it's still a religion and it was founded in you know or wicca wicca was established you know in the 60s by by gardner and that's a very new religion so i don't know this idea that what i often hear one of the reasons why people often dismiss tst as a quote-unquote real religion is they say oh it isn't real it it isn't old enough uh i hear that from a lot of of christians i think who who say well it's only a legitimate religion if it's been around for like thousands of years well i mean that's clearly just a historian's fallacy, right? Like, exactly, I, exactly. One ones where you're just like, no, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> so a lot of what you do on the blog is you kind of chronicle kind of a lot of the the public and legal and cultural battles that TST is in right now. Yeah. And as someone who obviously does not speak for TST, but who's kind of a current historian of the movement, could you just talk some about what this modern progressive activist Satanism is doing in the world and why? Uh, why? I, I, I don't know if I could really talk to why because, okay. you, you know, you talk to 100 people, you're going to get 100 different answers about that. Yeah. But I think it since the Christian right has been so pervasive and is definitely marching towards this this idea of oh we need more theocracy in America the, the, this this counterpoint needs to be there to say look I understand that you're you, you can't ascribe these positions in government to your beliefs which is where the separation of church and state comes in there needs to be this this divide where okay fine you can put Put this law into place if you can explain it rationally to the rest of us who don't agree with your mythology, right? You can't just go basing these things on what your mythology is. It, it, at that line, you need something harder and stronger and concrete. So when you look at like uh, the 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 reproductive rights stuff, right? You, you have all these people who are saying on the right who are saying, well, we need to ban abortion because life begins at conception and blah, 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 blah. And there needs to be somebody to say, well, no, what do we really mean by when life starts and what are, what is constitutes a, you know, person? We, we need to have this discussion because I don't think that where you're drawing that line on where a person begins is actually where that line is, right? Because again, right. we're talking about 
a concept because you have people who say, you know, well, a life begins at conception. And just ultimately, if you, if you look at like science, life began like once, like a few million years ago. And (laughs) yes, it's a continual chemical process from there. Right. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge that, you know, people have consciousnesses. And at some point we have to accept that there is a consciousness that has rights. Now, where that line is drawn becomes a very complicated discussion. Right. And just to back up some, there is a reproductive rights campaign within TST that that kind of all of what you were just talking about is kind of framing. And uh, what is that that reproductive rights campaign? Well, that that is, uh, I will try and paraphrase TST. Exactly. But their position is that a woman's body is invaluable and she has the right to decide whether or not they want to be host to a new life. Right. right? That Absolutely. is their in, invaluable decision. I think that, uh, I think that's more or less right. I think I think where the laws are now is actually pretty close to where I would want them to be if we would just stop arguing about it. Right. Like, this, this, I, I tend to think of it as, okay, if, if we're going to talk about when something becomes a distinct entity, then it can only do that if the brain is functioning properly. So around 20 to 26 weeks, somewhere in there, is yes. when, like, when like all the neurons start firing in the right way, right? Sure. So I think what I'm basically hearing is there is a there's an overarching narrative within the United States and that that narrative is largely informed by this one mythology and that is the fundamentalist Christian evangelical mythology. And well, it's informed by this idea that like once a, a, a sperm and egg come together, there's some supernatural soul that enters into that thing and becomes a separate entity. Right. And I, I, I don't believe in that supernatural part at all. So right. I don't see any reason to say that that's a different thing. Like one what, at the point that uh, at the point that there's a consciousness there, then we can start to have a discussion. Got it. Of when is the right time and when isn't? But up till that point, I don't see any reason because it's like you know, the, the 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 Christian right will say, well, you know, you're you're ending a, a life, but that as far as I'm concerned, that life hasn't started yet. Right? right. Like, what's the earliest thing that you remember? Right. I like when I was sick. Right. Yeah. That, exactly. Past any of us. Way even, way past. I can already so, tell that this is going to. Be be making some of my more traditional Christians super uncomfortable. And that's good. Embrace it. I am not advocating for like 80th trimester abortions. Just, I want to make that. <laughs> You're not advocating for me to have been aborted when I was four years old. <laughs> that, is, that, is, that is not what we're saying. <laughs> Right, but there, but there is some point where you're like, well, I, I, I did an article about this a while back where I said, well, you know, I mean, we have somebody who suffers a terrible traumatic brain injury, and they're, they're, you know, we, we, we understand that 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 brain doesn't function anymore. There is no consciousness there anymore. And at that point, we allow the family to say, yeah, unplug it. That that's yes. not, they're not there anymore. Right, exactly. So why not so, do that at the beginning of life? At the other end of it, yeah. So when when is there a they there? Right, like right. It's very yeah complicated. And those are scary existential questions that I think free Christians the fuck out because it it uh, or or I should say more traditional Christians because it calls into question kind of these fundamental questions about consciousness and the relation between consciousness and the brain. And that is so frightening for people. So I think basically what I'm hearing is that there's this predominative, there's this predominant narrative and that what TST is doing and, and what kind of this activist Satanism is doing is offering a counter story to it to that dominance and and asking for equal recognition yeah of of that narrative i see that in the baphomet thing in in the in the baphomet statue thing which of course all my listeners know about because that's one of the things that is is most you know covered by the news about tst uh the the recent baphomet arkansas rally were you there by the way at that no, at I that wasn't, rally i i couldn't make it out to that I, uh, my fiance is very Got it. Right now. Okay. Sorry. Say that one more time. Your fiance is what? My fiance is very pregnant, so I'm not traveling right now. Got we're it. And you, set. you have, you have not sacrificed the fetus yet. We not. We and we're not. <laughs> gonna- <laughs> 
<laughs> she's gonna be awesome. She's gonna be a little badass. We're very excited. But... Very good. When does she do? May. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Well, so yeah, the basic idea behind Baphomet is the same thing. Is you know, if Christian monuments are welcome on government property, then so should other religious monuments. And... Yeah, I, I and I think one of the interesting things that kind of gets overshadowed in all that is you know you have somebody who wants to put up a Ten Commandments Commandments monument and they'll say something like, well, no, it's not about it being religious. It's about the, the historical uh, yeah, foundations of law. Such bullshit. Yeah, total bullshit, because if you look <laughs> at the first four of them, they've got nothing to do with anything that's law. But yes. Right. And so when you know Lucian comes up with a a Baphomet monument and says well this if you put if you put it next to the 10 commandments then it is a in total a recognition of the plurality of our culture and our you know that you can put a christian icon and a satanic icon right next to each other yes. and that is a a very powerful symbol for the plurality of our country right yeah that to me uh, it's it's not about the statue going up by itself yes you know? and you know and that that is something Something that's so often missed is it isn't about hating on Christians, right? It isn't about no. It is, it's about saying we can be together and together, even though we disagree on this, you know, metaphor that we use exactly to our lives. Yeah, and I mean, and that's personified in the figure of Baphomet, who's who's a symbol of reconciliation. Um, yeah, you know, the, the, the opposites thing, the, the marriage <laughs> of opposites, the mudra of as above, so below, kind of the uh, the elements of male and female coming together. So yeah, it, it's the reconciliation of opposites. And that is what, you know, there's this image of what a Satanist is, of what a modern, and you know, of course I know plenty of Satanists who are like, fuck Christ, you know, I reject Christ and all his works as, you know, as <laughs> as is taken from the Black Mass in La Bas and has kind of been carried down from there. Right. But then there are, there are also Satanists who say, I, all Satanism is, is, the, is a reverence, a religious reverence for the symbol of Satan, that's all it is. I'm not interested in telling you what to believe, I'm not interested in, all I I want is recognition. Yeah, exactly. And and that is so often missed. Right. Because a part of this this idea of saying, well, it's kind of like we were saying before, where it's not, this is a real religion, this isn't a fake religion, but that all religions are fake. Can we just accept that we have <laughs> yes. these ideas in our head, right? And, yes, and, yes. And fun. Exactly. We all have these guiding stories. We all have these these guiding narratives, and it's okay. And we can... What I want to see people do, and, and this is what I think is so... For what for me was so revolutionary about TST, because I, I was caught in between religionless atheism and supernaturalist religion for so long and and felt like those were my only two options and then TST came onto the scene and TST offered something for me that I had simply never knew that that I had simply never known was possible that was acceptable and and the fact that TST was able to to do it and to do these rallies and to stand up for their religious freedom as non-theists and people who reject supernaturalism but who still claim religion that I think is revolutionary in this country, you know, it isn't revolutionary for Buddhism. It isn't revolutionary for, you know, a lot of the non-theistic religions yeah. out there, but it's revolutionary for us. And it was revolutionary for me. And seeing that was such a liberating thing for me. Seeing TST was such a powerful and liberating experience where it's like I could, I suddenly realized that I could reconcile my religion, my need for symbol, my love of ritual with my skepticism and atheism, yeah. you know, and, and that was such a big deal for me. And, and I really think that atheism, that, that, that TST is paving the way for other religions to gradually become more non-theistic. I really, really hope that that's true. And that's what I, that's kind of like my quiet campaign is to encourage the more traditional and mainline traditions, individuals within those religions to, to kind of step into non-theism. That's my, that's my hope. While you were saying that, I was just thinking it'd be really funny if like could you imagine like if a group of harry potter fans tried to protest cern because they're worried that it's going to violate space-time continuity or something like <laughs> And they have some <laughs> metaphor about Hermione and a time turner and what fine. If you want to do that, great. But I don't think anybody should, you know, like be taking that 
particularly seriously trying to like pass a law that say you're not allowed to this experiment because right yeah i think that's a great i think that's a great metaphor actually because it puts into perspective the absurdity of what legislating religion looks like to those who are outside of religion (laughs) like or outside of that particular religion right but the thing is like you can't part of the problem that that just straight by itself atheism has is you have all these people who are just like if i just explain the facts hard enough and you re- you need to understand that these people who are very theistic aren't they're not accepting the fact that you're presenting them with like, right. they're saying no i'm i'm going with the story the story the story the story <laughs> and so what we need is our own story yeah so but if you can give them another story and say exactly. hey you know maybe this book is kind of a little history is written by the victors and we should take a look at the other guy (laughs) (laughs) absolutely yeah and and if you can present it to them in story form it seems to be something they're a lot more receptive to at least i 100 percent agree and that is my experience too like that's how i moved out of my hard theism Uh, it's like it's logicking harder is not going to change people's minds. It's like if you just rationalize, if you just be, you know, shout your rationality louder and harder, it isn't going to to change something. Story is what changes people's minds. Yeah, exactly. And, and if you couch that rationality and if you couch that that reason within story, then that's what changes people's minds. And yeah, oh my God, we could talk about this all day long. Yeah, but, no, that's, that's, um, that's, why, that's why the Adam and Eve thing is so great. Like the... yes this idea you know it, it's the fruit of the tree of knowledge i'm just like well what the fuck's wrong with knowledge <laughs> exactly second you know precisely yeah. so okay so uh, we're we're getting close to being done here but uh i can imagine that you've you've gotten some crazy you've people have told you some crazy things uh about who you are as a satanist like from fundamentalist christians what are the craziest conspiracy theories and most insane things that have been thrown at you that have been said to you Jeez, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I actually get a a surprise, surprisingly little uh, hate That's mail. Good. Me too, actually. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I think you know the the people who are most objectionable to to what I'm doing are people who just look at it and say, "Well, it's got the label Satan on it; it must be bad." Right. And I don't really respond to those people. I don't see any point in it. There's no there's Absolutely. no upside for me trying to debate with them on a reasonable level. You know, mm-hmm. I think it, like if you if you put me with with somebody who wants who's somebody who's like really into like Thomas Aquinas or something, like somebody who has like a at least some long storied literary background behind them, I can at least make a go of it. Yeah. But if somebody who's just like, nope, it's Satan and not Jesus, that's bad. I, I got nothing. Sure. It's not worth talking to them. So sure. Yeah. You know, so you don't feel like you are really putting yourself on the line or putting yourself at risk, like personally or professionally by being a public Satanist. I don't I don't think it's so particularly bad for what I do. Like I don't worry about going out and being recognized in my neighborhood or anything like that. I don't yeah. feel terribly concerned that that there's anybody gunning for for me and what I do. Sure. That's good because I've I've heard otherwise, especially from like the the TST council members. Yeah, that. but I think I, like even if you talk to a lot of them like I think everybody's kind of learned at this point that like, you know, if you get lots of hate mail, none of a lot of the hate mail that you get is just from people who are drunk on their computer and they're never going to do anything, it's right? All like, bark. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, yeah. And, like, and, and, and one of the best, uh, responses, honestly, if somebody is just like, oh, you're going, I'm going to pray for you. Just say thank you and move on. Exactly. Like, that's what I've started doing. Like, oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks. I don't think that's going to do any good, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know it, if you think it'll help. The funniest thing that, um, there, there was, this was in the news several months ago, but Christians engaging in spiritual warfare with the witches who are trying to curse trump and and i'm yeah, like they're just people like you've got people sitting in the corner of their exactly house around candles and you've got other people over here sitting in their house talking to themselves and nothing is actually getting done <laughs> and i was like okay as far as warfare goes this is the best kind of warfare possible <laughs> this is the best warfare possible because nothing is happening i would much rather prefer i would much prefer spiritual warfare over actual warfare like like if you want to if you want to wage spiritual warfare uh 
against me, go for it. (laughs) I am all for it. That's just one of those things where it's just like, okay, I need some sort of sense of control over the chaos, which is exactly fine. If if it makes you feel better, it's not hurting anybody. Fine. Whatever. Exactly. No, I thought I, I think it's absolutely hilarious. Well, so Jack, it has been a lot of fun talking to you for this one hour. This has been lots of fun. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we can do this again at some point and uh, and stress out my uh, Christian listeners by <laughs> by having more Satanists on. If people want to find you or get in touch with you, where can they do that? Oh, well, they can find me on Pathios at For Infernal Use Only. They can find me on my Patreon account. That's patreon.com slash Naked Diner. Uh, Twitter at Lead Flashing. Awesome. Those those are the, the big ones, I think. Yeah, go go send him your hate mail and, and go pray against him. Um, or, or give me Patreon dollars. <laughs> give him Patreon dollars. Give us all Patreon dollars, I do dollars, a lot of cool please. special stuff for my Patreon patrons. I do like a once a week blog post just for the patrons, and they get my Naked Diner episodes early. That's and awesome. Little, I'll throw up some extra little gimmies because I dug them up. That's awesome. So so are you basically just doing online content full time? Yeah. Oh, I'm so jealous. That's I'm going I'm going to get there at some point, but I'm not <laughs> there yet. It's in, a ground. I, honestly, I wouldn't be there yet if it wasn't for other stuff. Like I yeah. spent a long time. I, I had a bunch of really good investments and stuff like that. And so now there's some other stuff that I can do to kind of supplement help. But I, I really want to build the Patreon audience is what I'm working on now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm I'm just my goal in life is to just be a, a content creator and a gay housewife and just stay at home with the cats. And, you know, that that is all that's, I want. That's part of our plan. My, my, my fiance works in real estate. So between the two of us we do okay exactly so i'm gonna be the stay-at-home dad in this scenario when we have our kids that's great i look forward to writing books awesome well i can't when you do come back onto the show and we'll talk about them oh yeah absolutely that is it for this show uh thank you so much for listening thank you jack for joining me yeah as usual the music is by 117 and the jelly rocks from the albums bang and whimper and rad science you can find them on itunes and spotify and wherever you listen to music also special thanks goes out to my assistant justin doja bryant who does all the visuals for the show who joins me for house of heretics every week on patreon he does a lot of work behind the scenes to make this show happen so definitely go to his twitter give him some love also donate to us on patreon so i can pay justin more and so that I can continue to bring you awesome and interesting conversations every single week. You can do that by going to Stephen Bradford Long forward slash. No, you can do that by going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long. You can also read my dozens of articles about faith and doubt, science and LGBT issues and Satanism over at stephenbradfordlong.com. As usual, thanks for listening. <laughs>